The Poets Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Urban Grind Coffee House. What better way than to start your day by grabbing life by the beans? Coffee beans, that is. Visit UrbanGrindAtlanta.com to get some of the best coffee in the world delivered right to your doorstep. And if you'd like to be a part of the culture and represent the eclectic vibe and positive energy that Urban Grind has to offer, make sure you choose from our selection of brand new Urban Grind apparel. And if you're in the Atlanta area, make sure you visit Urban Grind located in the heart of West Midtown for their selection of specialty coffee, sandwiches, and pastries while you get your studying done, working on that million dollar idea, or just simply meeting up with friends. Urban Grind Coffee House. Keep grinding. What's good? What up, though? What's good, King? How you feeling, man? I'm doing good. No problems, no complaints over here. I'm happy to be here. Yo, man, appreciate you coming on, man. I see you've been, man, you've been killing stuff this quarantine. I mean, you know, I know you from rocking stages around Atlanta, but but just in case everybody don't know, this man has been on the first introvert, on the first introverse, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Oh, no, it wasn't the first. It was, there was quite a few before. But... Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I just so, um I hyped mine up to no extent. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah. we had um we had Kiss on the introverse. I seen this man doing interviews with some of the best poets in the world. I mean, when we talk about Prentice Powell and and Brandon Leak and and like I said, man, I seen you uh, a, a three time author, if if I'm not mistaken. Three time, right? Yeah. Three times over. Yeah, I got three books out. Man, and uh, so so tell me if this sounds correct. So I remember meeting you. I remember meeting you in Atlanta at Cats Cafe. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was your 30th birthday. Does that sound like it could be correct? No, my 30th actually. My 30th was at Apache. I did Apache uh, for my 30th. Okay. And that was, okay. I'm 36, man. That was a minute. I, I don't remember where we met, but you I know. Remember, I remember meeting you at Cats Cafe, bro, and. And you had did a piece, you did a piece, and and I think you had you had forgot like a half of it in the middle of it. Then you picked it up, but it didn't even matter. I was like, damn, this the poem was so dope. I need to meet this dude. So I just remember talking to you outside, man. And and like I said, man, I just seen you around Atlanta being just consistent, man. Yeah, got to, got to. Um, I write a lot, and then I challenge myself a lot too. Like, uh, I definitely try to push my pen to to. I guess it's to so that I'm, I'm more versatile with my stuff. I don't want to just stick to one topic. You know what I mean? Right, right. I definitely feel you on that. So, so I gave the people a little bit, man. But go ahead and introduce yourself to the people who might not be all the way familiar. Okay. Um, my name is Kiss. I'm from I'm from New York, from Mount Vernon, New York. Money earning Mount Vernon, but uh, Atlanta is home. And uh, shit, I touched down here seven seven years ago, and uh, that's when I really started getting into the to the mic. So I've been. Um, been going hard ever since. I wrote three books. Um, me and and mother, we uh, we host Sunday school ATL quarantine. Kind of slowed it down, but we'll be right back, ready to run when it opens back up. And well, that's about it for now. Let's, uh, let me give you some a reason to follow me for people who don't. Go ahead. That's cool. Alright. I learned how to cook crack before I could make spaghetti. Maybe that's just hereditary. See, my father was a crackhead. With that being said, I learned from him what not to be. Luckily for me, my mother didn't follow his lead or I might be skinnier than what you see here. 
because of his demons, I stayed clear of indulging. His compulsions didn't fit with him being daddy dearest, so I kept my nose clean when I sold it. I was scared to be like him. I was scared to repeat his sin. I played a game with no wins, chasing evil's root and adrenaline. A Section 8 veteran misguided, sinning with a disdain for my hunger pains, trying to keep quiet my stomach grumblings while my mother was struggling to make ends meet. My ribs was touching. The heat was broke. I was sleeping on the kitchen floor again, covering burn marks from the oven door again with the same hand-me-downs they clowned my brother for. I wore again. So I punched them in their mouths. I earned my frowns. At a young age, I bore witness to survive of the fittest. Only the thugs dressed fresh while the rest looked stressed, so it only made sense I started pitching. Divinely blessed, intellectually gifted, but poverty's when the hell of some form weaponry that God never meant to be my fate. I took my own route, made some grave mistakes, running from police, fast life, losing faith, no time to catch my breath, so I believed I was leading the race. No fucking way. I was packing gats in my backpack, headed to school. Unconcerned with SATs, selling weed, a happy fool. The pretty girls see me fighting, they thought young kids was cool. I started slanging with a gang. All our bandanas blue, so my dress shirts till today still cover up crypt tattoos. All the evil I was doing seemed to ease my insecurities of being broke, but it left me with no hope. All care for a future, that gang life is real, them young dudes will shoot you. Bullets buzzing in my ears, they flew by like flies, hands shaking as I shot back. My bad ain't never claimed no lives. Ain't no fun in that game, but I had to maintain. My knife got more work than my gun, though. That incident had me on the run, though, for seven summers. Robbing others was my only form of steady payment. Feared getting a job, living as a fugitive, facing 20 years incarceration. I'm just thankful for that loophole, the statute of limitations. I was living too grimy to say I was blessed to make it. Self-medicated, stressed, not locked up, but not free. Those soldiers get theirs treated, but no one speaks about our PTSD. Us hood niggas. Poetry became my free therapy. It's the only real reason I see God sparing me. He made my message special so they could be hearing me. And to be a vessel to remind you, to leave no child behind you, you'd be surprised what their minds do if you just mold them. How much rage will leave their space if you just hold them? You may want to control them, especially the bolder breed, the ones with that chip on their shoulder, but them the soldiers that we need. Let your words spread seeds to bear fruit for them to feed. And not just your kids either. There's children raising children, the ignored ones, and your sons may share the same teacher. The village has been missing. The mission must be much deeper. The message must be more profound. Their friends may be permanent features. Become their lost and found. That's the truest test of your crown. Let your God and light shine down on those who've been deemed the weaker. Let the church say amen. Hey. Hey. Hey, man, you got it, man. You can go ahead and, and go ahead and keep spitting, man, and then uh, we'll get into it at the end. Mother, stop making funny comments in the joint. I'm reading your shit while I'm doing my poem. You're going to fuck me up in the middle. It's a serious poem. I'm sitting here laughing and shit. Like, it's not going to be that way. But not, no. So, yeah, that's basically like how I grew up in, in, in a short three minute span. But then I became a father and, and it changed. It changed a lot of me. It changed my direction. So, there's this poem. Um, I am you, daddy, he says. And sadly, I wish he didn't. See, he's the prince who was the crown, but the crown being my fitted. As he peers into the mirror, proud to be dressed like me, my fears becoming clearer, hoping to repeat of history. Conscious nightmares and flashbacks of all the shit I've done, praying the prayers of a sinner, praying my sins don't curse my son. At 13, I became a fiend for weed. 14, I began to sell it. I seen Clinton on that TV screen. I call bullshit he ain't in hell. Crack is whack. No doubt about that, but it kept my pockets fat. Young and black, stage strapped, no heart intact. Little I rack my habitat. Hood fame I craved and eventually claimed. 
Before this age, knew I'd be caged on the grave. See, I was blinded to other ways. Turn the page, life changed since my son hit the stage. Hope his last name don't make him act the same. A womanizer. Disguiser of emotions. Women's feelings I never felt. Lies like other guys. His mom was a prize. Another notch under my belt. I did girls wrong, going strong for them thongs. I used most women as toys. Now ashamed of my games, I'll admit to my blame. But thank God I've only made boys. Can he be a doctor if he comes from a gangster? Because he comes from a thug, can he not be a banker? For his future, I'm hopeful. To the Lord, I do thank him. Now his heart finally works. My little man, the pacemaker. I want him to be the man that I am, minus all of the flaws. The hunger, ambition, and drive, minus breaking the laws. Positivity is what I see for me as long as he's my guide. Negativity is no longer my reality. He is my joy and my pride. A role model is what he needs. Although he is my best friend and the father is what he needs me to be. So I won't be scared when he says it again. I am you. Hey. Thank you, sir. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like I said, hey, man, the floor is yours, man. Go ahead and keep that energy, bro. All right. Um, it definitely, like, fatherhood changes. I think fatherhood changes a man. Uh, it changes a boy into a man, absolutely, whether you're ready for it or not. Some run, some stay with it. You know what I mean? So, um, but it's trying. And, you know, if you're going to man up or you ain't. I'ma switch tunes. I'ma show the versatility. You know, I said I, I like to uh, push my pen, so I'ma switch switch uh, cues real quick. Hey, go ahead. Um, she got this aura. Not sure where I felt it before. It feels like living life on the shores long before the diaspora. Like like African drummers playing trap music. Bare feet with beads, crip walking on the scene. The daydream of you is that lucid. Like someone took a huge crock pot, added in some black girl magic, a heavy handed sprinkle of some ratchet, doing something classic, all the weed you need, some twerking, some hard work, and not certain the recipe, but it was made with love. What a sight. The past and present reflected the evolution of the revolution. The future is looking bright. She's all right. And her story sounds like mine. Her climb begun from the slums. Tough times produced the root of the gumption that makes her function. She's divine. True, she is beauty, but who you do see just nicks the surface. I feel her purpose, perfectly imperfect and worth it. To keep a smile on her face, I work to deserve it. Looks and books, eyes and drive, thoughts and thighs. She's the prize, but fear no competition, because it might be right, and if it's right, I'll fight to make the sparks ignite. Happiness, the mission, no one else in sight. I can dig the vision, but sadly, I don't know her, so I'm left looking for a diva I can trust with my visa. Not like, yeah, them shoes are cool, but now how are we going to feed us? My job won't let me smoke, but she'll let me roll her reefer. One who knows I got these shows, so she ain't tripping when I leave her. One who knows. I could have hoes, but my purpose is to please her. Some pretty toes to show or conceal them in some sneakers. Old enough to have owned a beeper and understood when I said reefer, but still so young at heart, we keep the spark as we get deeper. I do not know this girl. She be my world when I greet her. One who knows the peaks of love, but when we speak, the peaks get steeper. During the week, she's on the run, but on our weekends, her knees get weaker. She knew I played the previews, but in my life, she played the feature. She'll say that I complete her, and I'll be inclined to believe her because she'll complete me too. You will tell by the way I treat her. My one and only diva I can trust with my visa. I'm waiting on your presence in advance. It's nice to meet you. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, kiss, man. Talk yes, to sir. Man. So, so tell me, man, how you got started in this poetry spoken word thing, man? What, what got you into it? Uh, no bullshit, boredom. 
bored. Word. Yeah, I was um, I was running running the streets and shit when I was younger, and then um, my aunt called me up. My aunt called me, and I'm from uh, I grew up in New York. My aunt called me, and she was like, "I had a bad dream about you. I heard, uh, it was a dream you died." So, and my my aunt got money. She got bread. Uh, she lived in Jersey, so she was like, "Um, you got two choices. You can either." Come out here, live with me, work and go to school, or I'm cutting you off forever. So mm. I was like, shit. All right, I'm Pat, when you pick me up. So my Pat picks me up. She comes to the hood. Like I lived in the trap, like for real. And she comes, um, she comes, picks me up. And as we're driving from Mount Vernon to Jersey, we get through the Bronx. And my aunt is like, all right, so I got three rules in my house, three W's you can't have in my crib. She was like, no women, no weapons, no weed. So I'm like, ah, right, no women, no weapon, no weapon. How the fuck am I have fun? Like, that's that's what I do. What are you talking about? Super straight, <laughs> right? Hey, so that's that's terrible. So she um she she told me them rules, and then I was like, all right, I'm Pat, pull over. So we pull over on a random block in the Bronx, and I hop out because I in my possession I'm I'm holding about like half an ounce of weed, and then I got like an ice pick that I used to carry around. So I dump it in the garbage can. And we finished taking off the jersey, now, and she made me give up my car. It wasn't really my car, but it was my car. So um, I had nothing to do with public transportation. And then so I was bored in the house a lot. Um, And then she had a shit ton of books, uh, mostly Harlem Renaissance writers. And so I got to reading. I was bored. And I read probably like 50 books in a year. My my favorite author is James Baldwin. Like, And then I just, I was like, you know what? I love these stories. Harlem Renaissance is an epic part of black poetry and and i and i fell in love with their stories but it was dated you know what i mean it was written in that language right. so i was like i want to hear these same type of stories in my language the post-hip-hop era and so i got to working and i wrote my first poem like it's cliche as shit everybody writes their first poem for a girl and i did and i bagged her and then so i was like i got something here I'm like, God, I might got something here with this with this poetry hey, stuff. Hey, every, everybody writes their first poem for a girl, but not everybody gets the girl, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. <nah. laughs> so I, it's cliche as shit, but I, I, I bagged it. And then, and then it was like, I, I she didn't believe it was my first poem. Um, and then, but I bagged it. And then um, after that, I started thinking in rhyme. Okay. Like, I had to write, like I had to get it out, and I accumulated uh, about seven years worth of work. And then, in that time period, I had my son. I joined the Navy. Uh, I got out the Navy, so I was like, you know, I need, I need something that's going, um, like a, a collection for them to look up to, because I got two right. sons. So I, I wanted a collection. I needed a collection for for my sons to look up to. And then I got out the Navy. They were living in Georgia at the time. So I packed up everything that I own. I don't know shit about Georgia. And I was like, fuck it. I put my book out, published it. And then I came out to Georgia. And then I figured, ain't nobody going to know I got a book unless I perform. So then I started hitting the stage. I hit Apache. I hit Apache running, too. I think I lived I lived so in Apache, Athens. Apache was, the, Apache was the first place? Yeah, because it was the only place that I knew. I just okay. heard about I, I talked to people. I was like, I'm moving to Georgia. Where do I go for poetry? And it was like, Apache. So I was like, all right. I lived in Athens at the time, so I drove every Sunday from the from the week I got down here. Every Sunday, hour yeah. and a half one way, hour and a half back, so three hours every Sunday. And I um 
I had Apache Heart. Like, I would go to the joint and I would be like, all right, let me sign my name on this list. And then I'll talk to the host. I'd be like, so can I put my name anywhere on the list? And then I want to close out too. Like, can I put my name last? So every Sunday, if I'm going to drive three fucking hours, I'm going to make it worth it. So, right, and then right. I'm trying to sell books too. So I put my name on the list twice. I did that shit for like six months. And then I got my first feature at Apache. So, like, I, I hit the ground running. Hey, man, that's awesome, man. So, so that kind of brings me to my next question, man, because. I mean, even since even since I've known you for the last few years, just seeing you running around, it's been a lot of spoken word artists like come and go. And I put your name like, you know, I put you up there with the, I mean, I'd say you were vet in the game. I put you up there with the Georgia Mees of the world, uh, the um, uh, the Red Storms of the world, you know what I'm saying? Like Abyss, you know, I, I put you up there. So so what keeps you going? Like what's, what's continued that driving and allowed you to continue writing? Well, first, that's an honor to be in the same sentence for any of them because they've been doing it for, for years, deaf poetry. That's what inspired me. And that's like before when I was living in Jersey and I first started writing poetry, I went to a random ass open mic because I figured I wanted to try it. And yeah. I had never done poetry before in my life. So I get there to this this random ass car. I think it was Philly Dickinson University in Phoenix, New Jersey. So I'm up there and then I don't know who's performing. And I, and I see this woman performing. And she's just up there spitting the truth. I'm she's mm. blowing my fucking mind. I'm sitting there like eyes wide open, like a deer in headlights, mouth open. And it turned out to be uh Georgia Me. Mm. Like, and this was shit, 2005. And then I get up there and I'm shaking. I don't know what <laughs> I was just doing. And I had it on paper because it wasn't on the phone yet. And my hands were shaking. I'm nervous as hell. And then I, afterwards, I go up to her, I got to show her love. I'm like, yo, I loved your work. How long have you been doing this? I didn't know who the fuck I was talking to. And, but, and then she told me, yeah, I'm on Death Forge, all this stuff. And then we got so cool. She was like, yo, she was with like three other people that uh, some people she graduated college from. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, yo, just come, come with us. We smoking, we drinking at the hotel. So I was like, shit, all right. So the first night I meet George and me. We uh we end up sleeping in the same hotel like together, smoking and drinking, and doing poetry all night. Fucking nuts! And then I don't move down here till 2013, and then I, I meet her again like and like, but we kept in little touch over the years. Okay. But so then like I I look up to these people like they started my career for real, and then now like to even just be opening and holding the same stage with them that's fucking it's phenomenal, it's dope. So like just being around them inspires me to keep writing. Just like to keep pushing my craft, and like I don't, I don't want to be put in the box. So like, I I write, I write a lot. I challenge myself. I do haikus. I do um, alliteration. I focus on different parts of actual poetry instead of the spoken word part because, like I said, my 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 foundation in poetry is literary. Okay. So I learned from Harlem Renaissance writers initially, and then so that's my foundation. It, okay. it was a hard transition. I wrote for eight years before I ever hit a stage. You know what I mean? Okay. So, like, okay. the performance aspect was something learned, but the writing is something that I just kept doing, and I, I, I keep doing. I can't stop it. It's like it's like a, the whisper. You know, people okay. have an okay. internal voice in their head. My shit rhymes. I got to push that shit out. Hey, man, I know you talk a lot about, like, putting in 10,000 hours. So yeah. I think that's part of it, man. It's like once you get to a certain level, your mind just gets rewired completely. To where you're thinking in poems, you're thinking, you're thinking hey. in terms of like what you're gonna write. So, so that's amazing, man. It seems like like the things that happen. I mean, you don't just fucking run into Georgia me on on your first open mic and end up kicking it. Like, 
So it's yeah. also like divine, like this is for you, bro. Like, like this is your path. That's amazing, man. So I know uh, in one of your poems, you talk about how um, poetry is your therapy. And when, <laughs> when was it? Was it a point where you realized, okay, this is this is what I need to be doing? Was it a particular point, or was it just something like over time? Um, it was a particular poem, um, actually. Um, I like I said, I started writing and then I just kept writing and, and rhyme. But then, like before before any poem, I wrote my first poem at twenty two, and okay. and I turned crip at fifteen, and I started selling weed for them at fourteen. You know, so like I grew up in a different type of uh, environment than like a poet. Like back home, all my friends is gang members, and like. You know what I mean? So if I go home, it's two different. It's a different side of the brain. My brain got to click differently. And then now I come out here and all my friends are poets. So it's um, it really is a different. It's a different uh, part of the brain. And I'm going off on a tangent. What was the question? <laughs> um, oh, I, was, oh, I remember. I remember. We going down the path with you, man. So, yeah, so, so, like, that's the lifestyle. And then in that, you know, there's, there's only two ways to get out. I, I'm blessed. I, like, I don't, I don't take it for granted at all. Like, I know exactly. It's one, one good decision saved my life. And then, and then poetry, you know, it gave me a different purpose. So, like, I started writing. And then I wrote this one poem about, first I wrote a list of everybody who I could think of who had died throughout my life. I wrote a list, list long shit. Um, and it's even longer now. If, it, if I counted on hands and feet, I'd run out of fucking appendages to count. Like, but so I wrote this poem, and um, after I wrote it, everybody's story, I cried like a fucking baby, like tears streamed down my eyes. I can't perform it. I well, I could probably, but it would be difficult to. Like, it, I think I did it once, and I like cried on stage. But it's um. So then that part that it helped me heal, like to um to put their death into I feel like putting it in a book and making them immortal helped me heal. You know what I mean? It's different. Right, right. Man, that's dope, man. That's dope. So I see um so I also see you talk about fatherhood a lot. And I see uh I see you post pictures of you doing things with your kids, man. And and let me just tell you, man, I love to see that shit because that's not the narrative they paint of us. That's not the everyday paint like of us taking care of our kids, mm -hmm. of us handling responsibility. So, so for you to do that, man, somebody positive, somebody that's got a voice out here, man, that's powerful, man. So talk about how being a father has impacted your poetry. Everything I do is for them. Matter of fact, let me see. I think I got my books right here. They are in. I put them in all my books, like the dedications. They're always to them. I really? take pictures of them, I put them in the book. Yeah, I think it's in my other book. I can't find it right now. But yeah, they, they got pictures in my books. They're dedicated. And then um and then uh the main reason why I put out a book in the first place was to give them I want to set the ball high. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like and then bring around this type of energy so that they don't have to be you no know, stereotype. Like I did that for them. You know what I mean? I, I I did that. I ran the streets, I did that stuff. My kids, I'm trying to raise squares. And every every um Every black man that I know who grew up the same way that I did, they they want squares for kids. They want their kids to not even have to worry about the bullshit that we don't have to go through. And that narrative is fucking bullshit. I don't know any bad fathers. Like, I don't know anybody who's just like, 
who just like I'm not gonna be here in their life like right. at all. Right. Especially coming from like, my age group, we crack we from the crack era. So right. most of us grew up without pops, like without fathers. So we don't yeah. we know what it's done to us. Yeah, I'm 84, so I'm okay, I'm okay. made bold in the, in the heart of it. So like, I don't know anybody from my generation that. Well, if if I did, I wouldn't keep them around me anyway. You know what I mean? Because like, I ain't for that bullshit. But like, we know what it did to us. We we know what that void left in us. So we're not gonna pass that shit on to the next generation. Every generation right. is supposed to get better. And so, but but my sons, I I don't sugarcoat anything. I talk to them. They get into an age where they may feel like, like especially preteens and stuff. I'm never going to sugarcoat with them at all. Like you can't do that stuff. Like that's not right. that's not your heart. So right. um, I just try. At, and and poetry ain't really something that you just write. If you are really a poet, it's something that you live. Like you said, you set your example, and you you be that. If you you know, even if you're not a poet, if you can't be the poem, if you can't be the poet, be the poem. You know what I mean, so I just try to set the ball high for my sons, and then and live in a way that that I I would want them to be brought up as. I'm tough though, you know. Hey man, but, you gotta be, cause I mean the world gonna be tough. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, especially you gotta for prepare us. Them. You gotta prepare them. Like I can't wait till I can have my son out here learning how to shoot, and I want I want to be trained how to shoot. I want to be trained how to grow food. I want to be trained. Like if if the world ends and I ain't here to take care of you, you can take care of yourself. You know? Right, right. So has um with everything that's with everything that's been going on with the um with the pandemic, and I guess I say with the pandemic with all this racist bullshit with all this cop shit that's going on, has that have you had to not necessarily change your parenting style, but instill some things that you may this is in the back of your mind, but now you know you need to talk about now has. Has that affected you as far as raising your kids in any way? No, cause I, you know, if you if you're already ready, you ain't gotta get ready, you know. So like, I instill stuff in them anyway. Like before, like when the pandemic hit in like in March, and then I, I heard it was gonna be bad. I was like, oh shit, it might get bad. So I bought like extra deadbolts for my house. I planted a garden. I bought a shit ton of ammunition. Like and then and then I just got mad food. Like I was gonna be ready. We're gonna be cool in here. And if you try to come in here, you're gonna get you're gonna go in reverse. So, you know, I I, just, I wanted to make sure that we were ready. And then but as far as like how to deal with stuff, all right, so I one thing I, I, I can't stand and is is like the whole tepery. Like mm -hmm. I, I understand people who uh, who learn something new. And they are overzealous in expressing it, but to push your your disposition or your newfound knowledge onto someone is, is it's annoying, and then it's kind of pompous, like because everybody else, oh, if you don't believe what I believe, then you're wrong. Okay. I was raised though for this. Like, I my great grandfather is an author, and he wrote a book on Liberia. Mm. He was a stowaway from Jamaica, and he traced our roots back to the Ashanti tribe in Ghana. Mm. So. And he was a Garveyite. He's, he was he um he followed Marcus Garvey. He was real big on the Back to Africa movement. And Liberia, if you don't know, is one of the first colonies. It was funded by America mm. uh, for freed slaves in Africa. Like the free slaves, they didn't want the free slaves to give the the enslaved ones any ideas. So they they funded them to go to Liberia and start a colony. Like get the fuck out of here, you free niggas. Don't be talking to us our, our slaves. 
Right. So my great-grandfather wrote a book about Liberia, and in it he talks about his why he has the gumption to write, why he has the authority to write this book. So in it, he talks about, like, the introduction is all his life. He's talking about his grandmother, which would be like my grandmother five times removed. And, and they were part of the Maroons, the ones who fought back against enslavement in Jamaica. So, like, I was raised off of it. And my great-grandfather's a Garvey. My name's Marcus. I was named after Marcus Garvey. Like, mm. so, like, I, I know my history. So for then someone to come and be like, oh, I know more than you. That shit is fucking annoying. So, like, right. it's, instilled, it's instilled in me. I was raised, like, knowing my history growing up. So then I pass along to my sons. Um, but I say all that to say, like, uh, knowing who we are and knowing the warrior spirit that we come from. Not everybody was kings, no. But there's a lot of warriors. And the warriors, damn, something to be proud of. A survivalist, so I instilled that into, into my kids, and and some things just never change. Some things won't. Like if you are a warrior at heart, you're gonna be a warrior a hundred years from now. That energy, it, it definitely transfers. Facts, facts, man. That's powerful, man. Hey, man, I could. That's some real shit, man. I could sit up here and talk to you all day, man. But yo, I got, <laughs> I got, I got one more question for you. So I seen, um, you know when. When the stuff hit and a lot of stuff started closing down, it was a lot of poets that I seen that was out and about that I don't hear from now. And I'm just, man, I'm a fan of the spoken word just as much as I love doing it. So, um, so you know, I be following you. Like, I'm sorry if you sound like some weirdo shit. So I follow your moves, man. You know, just online and shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but it seemed like it's some poets that once this shit hit, they were able to transition and still find a way to to keep it going, to keep their momentum just like that. And you seem like one of them poets, man, like you didn't lose no momentum. If anything, I actually seen you gain momentum as far as all the platforms you've been on and, and everything you've been doing, man. How was the, was that a transition for you? Was that even a thought in your mind or, or was it just something that just happened? No, it was absolutely a transitional period. Like it started in March. I didn't really start doing anything online until maybe like June. My main focus was take care of home. And okay. um like I, I chill. Like and and you know everything everything should be strategy. So like I, I specifically chose where I wanted to go. I reached out to certain people. But for the most part I was chilling. And then and then mother started her online open mic um on Mondays. I was pushing her stuff. Like, I, I really wasn't doing much. We had so many plans, but I was just in a different headspace. I right. wasn't writing. I wasn't doing nothing. You know, I was just working and, and trying to figure figure out how things were going to go going forward. Um, but then I hit the ground running. You know, like, I, I definitely tried to get everywhere that I could be. I hop into other people's mic. And, and for real, this thing is a blessing, uh, depending on how you look at it, because – now I'm able to share stages and, and mics with people that like cross the country, across the world. Right. You know, so like people who would never who would never heard of me, like they're like, hey, what's up? Kiss, that's kiss right there. Game followers, all that stuff. So when it is over, you know, like I think any poet who who really is uh about their business and cause poetry yeah, is cool that um to express yourself and stuff, but there's a difference between poetry the community and poetry, the industry. Fact. And if you if you want to make money off, because I don't believe in being a starving artist. Fuck that shit. I like nice shit. Man, I feel um, you. Hey, I feel you on that. Fuck that. So, like, <laughs> if, if, if any artist is not, like, like they, everybody should absolutely be planning, like, shit. 
I'm going to link up with this person over here and then set up a tour for yourself. Like, right. if I know somebody who's doing mics on here in Florida and I know somebody in North Carolina and in, in Maryland and fucking Jersey, I'll take a, a trip after this and just do a coastal, like, like a, a tour for yourself. Sell some, bring some merch out, get some money out of this thing. Like, right. plan it strategically. Hell no. But no, I, I, I didn't start the pandemic off, like, running. I wanted to make sure everything was good at home. And then... Yeah. When I did get my foot out there, it was like, all right, I don't, I don't test the waters. I'm just going to jump. I'm just going to jump <laughs> in the water head first, and I don't know if it's deep. I don't know if it's shallow, and I could swim a little, so we're going to make it happen. Hey, man, well, shit, dive in. You definitely did that. Hey, man, I appreciate everything you're doing out here. I appreciate your voice out here. I appreciate, I appreciate what you portray, man, because like I said, the media and all these mainstream shit, and even and even not even mainstream, even just regular shit. We don't always portray ourselves in the best light, but but you a real stand up dude, man. I appreciate it. You taking care of your shit, man, and you and you showing people how to do this poetry thing and not be a starving artist. So so man, I appreciate you and, and everything you stand for in the poetry community, man. Thank you for everybody, uh, everybody who rocking with us. I'm gonna kiss the poet. Uh, I got his uh, cash app posted at the bottom of the screen. So please donate to that. Support the artist. Kiss, tell everybody where they can find you, what you got going on, where they can find your books, whatever you got, some final words for the people. I, I am Kish the Poet. Um, you can follow me. Click that little thing up there. Uh, if you want to buy books, there's a link in my bio. I'll send you to all three of my books. Um, I sometimes co-host with Mother the Creator every Monday. She hosts a, uh, an open mic online. You can follow her and, um, and get in. I post about it a lot. And... Uh, we also I'm half a Sunday school ATL, me and Mova co-host. Um, and we'll start that back up when pandemic is looking a little more safe. Right. right. Next year, uh, when we close out with a poem or something, like, I don't really. Yeah, hey, 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 go ahead, man. Hey, it's, it's your world. Bro. Hey, actually, matter of fact, before you do that, you mentioned the Sunday school ATL because I know y'all had it pop in at the spot. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure what happened to that, but but that shit was dope, man. Y'all had that shit rocking for the few Sundays that it was. Is there, any, is there any chance that that's coming back? Oh, it's absolutely coming back. It's just gonna be a different location because you know poetry and business are two different things. You learn as you go. Okay. Not every experience is going to be a good one, but you learn from everything. And uh, but we're definitely coming back. We just uh, we're going to be doing it somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. But uh, but so, yeah, you can uh, you can close us out as you see fit. Uh, all right. Lord, forgive me for I've sinned over and over again just to stay. On top, I recall memories filled with sin over and over again and again. They try to tell me I'm crazy. Shit, maybe. Like, 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 like something's wrong inside of me. Probably. Like how did this potential child prodigy become proficient in armed robbery? I tried to tell him I got God in me, but I wouldn't wait for him to save me. A short duel with a short fuse, hungry for money. That Napoleon petroleum gassed up to chase that fast buck. A strange fruit bruised. No, honey, would you who do still love me if I didn't choose this podium to change my luck?
who gives a fuck. A wordsmith with a Smith and Wesson, strictly for protection. Second Amendment rhetoric, pick your poison, but learn your lesson. Relevant penmanship that'll end your shit for second guessing. My itchy trigger fingers, quill, scale, betrayal, painting pictures for niggas, distilling fulfilling scriptures. The thug who read a book, they shook. Look at America's nightmare, beware, they don't fight fair. Founding fathers was fucking crooks. But they scared of me. How can they be? In the mirror, Captain America more resembles Captain Hook. To the knaves, they were rapists. Then they lay and got took. To the darker races, they were slavers. Behold, America's greatness will treat you like equals. Just be patient. Mass incarceration took its place. The currency currently reflects racist faces. But they try to tell me I'm crazy. Shit. Maybe. But since they're already going to blame me, I'm going to make sure that they pay me. My trials versus their denials. Behold, Babylon's wild bastard child. I am what they made me. They'll say, get over our disgrace like they can't relate to our distaste, but they're the cook. Last laughter was at a mass, a new chapter, same book, so. Lord, forgive me for I've sinned over and over again just to stay on top. I recall memories filled with sin. Over and over again. And again. Appreciate you, bro. And kiss the forward. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Y'all check me out. Follow me. Follow me if you like. I won't lead you wrong. Amen. <laughs> hey, kiss the forward. We appreciate you. Be easy, King. Later, bro.